When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. I really felt the power of my sobriety, like, soon after I stopped drinking and doing drugs. Like, I um, became far more productive. And I was already being productive, like, surprisingly productive while I was wasted. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, you know instead of just tapping into dark constant darkness it was more about being inspired and when you have a clear head i I, like for me i just feel like it really played a huge role in in making everything that i do but especially the music 5150 is a lifestyle we believe in pushing yourself finding your passion knowing your dreams and working hard and always striving to make those dreams your reality we believe life is too short to sit back and say what if go after it grab it and make it happen Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is sponsored by Mad Moose Barbecue. Make sure you check out their award-winning barbecue sauces and rubs at madmoosebbq.com. That's madmoosebbq.com. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. These guys are hilarious and informative, and they're brought together by their common struggle. Mike and Nat get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Jason here. And Uncle Mikey. This is Knocking Doors Down. We talk with celebrities, experts, and everyday people about overcoming their adversities to find success. That could be addiction, could be trauma, could be mental health issues, and they open up about the pathways that they took to achieve lifetime success. Hey, Mikey, Kat Von frickin' D, dude. That's right. Kat Von D. We got her. Hey, you guys are going to hear it. She opens up about, uh, you know, where she fall into a, fell into addiction. Uh, the Provo, Utah school that also was attended by Paris Hilton, generating a lot of her trauma and just how she never really felt she fit in, even within her own family structure. And, you know, her house is exactly how you would expect it to be. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. dark, gothic and all that. Like it was it was totally Kat Von D-esque. Just an awesome experience. You guys are going to hear it. And we definitely appreciate you uh, checking Knocking Doors Down, the podcast out with Uncle Mikey and myself. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast. And you can go to kddmediacompany.com. Uh, or if you're like Mikey and you prefer the video version at uh, the website, you can also get the link to YouTube. 
It's just that simple, right? I'm more of a visual guy. I need to see it. You are a visual guy. And uh, hey, for some visuals on uh, our 5150 LTM gear that we're wearing, our sponsor that we couldn't do any of this without, check us out on social media. Knocking Doors Down on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, it's at KDD Media Company. You'll see us wearing that 5150 gear. And by listening to this podcast, we've got a 20% discount for you. What's the code, Jason? Use KDD20, that's KDD20, and you get 20% off at checkout. One more time. KDD20 for 20% off at checkout, and that link is in the podcast description for 5150LTM.com. Sick. I gotta say, your son's so impressive. Oh. Uh, wow, he speaks better than me, yeah. too. <laughs> he says full Spanish, and yeah. he's trying to talk to me. I'm like, buddy, you, you trumped me. That's the best I can do. Spanish he said something well. in Espanol. I'm like, what? Yeah, he, he, he only speaks Spanish. I mean, um, when both my husband and I were born in Mexico, so uh, Spanish was our first language, and when we decided to have a kid, we were like, you know, it would be cool to pass that along as well, just yeah. because we benefited so greatly from being bilingual. And mm-hmm. um, and so we really want that to be part of his like roots and heritage. So it's yeah. cool. And uh, I think kids absorb uh, languages at such a young age. Like I don't remember learning how to speak English. I just remember we moved to America and I was like, okay, uh, I, my mom's like, I came home from kindergarten speaking English. And so I think, um, He's, you know, he's already naturally learning English on his own. So it's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> well, and knowing multiple languages is only going to benefit you in the future anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. it's, it's such an American thing. I can't remember. I think it was Eddie Izzard, the comedian. He's like, more than one language in your head. How preposterous. No brain can do that. And it's like, and, and you're right. The younger they are, the more they absorb it. Because yeah. people forget we think in language. And yeah. it's such a different structure grammatically. Totally. Verbiage. Yeah. He's just loving me this whole time. <laughs> I feel so welcome. That's Nietzsche, yeah. everyone. Nietzsche. <laughs> I'm so glad you love cats. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's all I got animals. One. I got licorice at home. Black oh, cool. cat. Big black cat. Nice. So, oh, I got a... Um, I put your album on for this dude because I'm a crazy music fan. and oh, I, lo- cool. I love prayers, too. Yeah, oh, awesome. And, uh, and he's like... That's Cat's voice? <laughs> well, you got to figure, I've been watching you forever. You know, right. LA Inc., Miami Inc., I've yeah. seen you on it all, and it's just like, wait, that's her? Like, I had no idea. It sounds great. Oh, it sounds incredible, you. but I'm just like, I, I would have never guessed. If you wouldn't have told me who this was, I would, yeah, yeah I don't. But. I think a lot of, when I announced that I was going to come out with music, a lot of people were expecting it to be like metal or, sure. you know, more in the rock world, because, I, I, I mean, I love metal. I've always been in sure. that world. But I also love a lot of, like, the analog synthesizer sounds of the 80s and, uh, I love Depeche Mode and yeah. oh, Depeche know, Mode, yeah, Cure, sure. Susie and the Banshees, all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think naturally, I think um, my voice kind of lives in that world versus like I can't sing like you know a lot of my favorite metal bands. <laughs> I was like I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> I gotta also ask because I saw her live a couple of times and I saw her perform with Pink when Pink opened for Lenny Kravitz. Working with Linda Perry. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, she's cool. I mean, uh, I've known Linda a really long time. I, th- I think she actually lives around the corner from here. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, she's she really helped me, especially in the beginning, because, you know, I've, I've been so... Well, first of all, I, I was brought up on classical music. So I started playing piano when I was five years old, which not a lot of people know that. So music has always been kind of the driving force of everything mm-hmm. that I love. And, uh, and then it wasn't until, you know, later on when I wanted to write music... And I really had to break away from the structure of classical music because um, 
it's all about perfection and accuracy. And right. uh, whereas I think, you know, one of the, the big lessons that I learned from Linda was like to break away from that and be okay with it being imperfect. Right. And I, I love that. I mean, when you listen even to some of, some of the tracks uh, that I've written, um, some of the vocal takes, like we, we picked the ones that where I do crack and where there's that like human fingerprint. And sure. I think there's like a beauty in the imperfection. So do you yeah. think that's kind of been lost a little bit in music yeah. with the move from, you know, the, like you said, the analog and people give me shit cause I still like records. And yeah. It's like, oh, me too. And, and it's not, they're like, Oh, because you say it sounds better. No, it doesn't sound better, <laughs> but there is something tangible. about Yeah, it. it's sure. Like, like you almost get to be a part of the art and the artist and there's a yeah. physical thing and the yeah. needle hitting the record. And it actually and... does sound better <laughs> <laughs> depending on your system, I guess. But yeah, I think that there is something lost in music and you know, I think there's something for everybody, obviously like uh, some people like auto tune or, you know, sure. like kind of robotic approach to music. Whereas, um, you know, my Greg, my synth player, he, he always talks about like how our music is like, we're trying to put, a soul into a robot. And um, so you have like the best of both worlds, you know, right. you have like the the computer aspect, but then you also have the soulfulness of like yeah. the human fingerprint. So yeah, I don't know. I think uh, music is, is cool in, in that way that, you know, you can go in any direction and there's something for everybody, but I'm, I'm definitely more particular about my music and the stuff I listen to. I don't really listen to a lot of like modern day groups i don't i don't think most i don't either <laughs> yeah i'm so stubborn with my music he knows so when we make our drives and whatnot he knows what i want to yeah. listen to and yeah. it's just like he'll play his stuff and then he just automatically puts on the chili peppers because he knows that's what or like guns yeah. and roses or yeah, something yeah and i'm like all right here we go yeah, no, yeah. No, we're good. but uh you were talking about cracks and imperfections and yeah. the first thing that came to my head was give me shelter mm-hmm. when the court when she was singing murder yeah voice crack that like it gives me chills yeah. every time because it fits so perfectly and totally. it, it's like more passion in yeah it, so i love it i yeah. know exactly what you mean i love that too yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you in the actual songwriting process because you know cl- when you're classically trained you le- learn chord structure yeah and everything it's a different else. language yeah yeah whereas like rock music they'll some of my favorite brand, bands they broke like rules it's like of course yeah you're not supposed to go to that chord but if we only play like a fifth power chord we can yeah yeah did you have um, that approach? No, I mean, I, it was all just about feeling, you know, and I think that, like, I mean, when I, one of the reasons I think I, I fell in love so much with, with metal was because I did come from that classical music background. And like, when you listen to metal, like the, a riff on a guitar is so similar to like a scale on a, on a piano. And so I loved, like, I loved being able to admire the musicians because prior to that, I was listening to like a lot of punk rock music, which was like power chords and which is cool. I think there's time and place for that too, but um, but it wasn't anything that like, the, it, didn't, it didn't feel like there was that much magic behind it, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. magic in the sense that when you listen to something, you're like, wow, how did they do that? Or that must have taken years to master, you know, and that's why I loved um, heavy metal music. But then and then after that, I discovered like post punk and then it married all my favorite things, which was like lyrics and different chord progressions and um, instrumentation. You know, there was like almost symphonic aspect to it as well. And, um, and I, I, and I, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I love poetry. So yeah. that really spoke to me, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, mu- music's, music's cool in that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. It's the universal language. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I gotta ask too, with how now, I mean, because you've been doing music all your yeah. life, like since you were five, Yeah. 
Did it seem like now that you're you're long term in your sobriety? We met yeah. your beautiful son. Yeah, and you welcome us into your beautiful <laughs> home and all the wonderful people that yeah. are here. I got lost like four times already. <laughs> Did, I paint a picture. I was so I was trying to find the card. I'm like, it's Yo, big, house, big house problems. I couldn't. Oh, find you my meant way out that? You this meant is my how room. every. No, not you. I meant in the house. I got yeah. lost. Um, <laughs> like this is how every horror movie starts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I knew it was gonna end this way. Yeah. Oh, I'm on these house. I yeah. dig it. I love. Architecture, actually. Yeah. Initially, when it, never mind. This is about yeah. you, not me. <laughs> no, I love um, it. So, th- was it something that, like, hey, I'm long enough now, my sobriety. You know, yeah. Your husband, I mean, your awesome son. That it was like, I, it's time to put something out. Yeah, I mean, I actually wrote that album uh, over ten years ago, and I've been sober fourteen years. Mm-hmm. So I, I started writing, you know, shortly after I got sober, and I think that, like, it's interesting because. Um, you know, I know sobriety is not for everybody. I know some people can hang with having like drinks on the weekend and it doesn't affect them the way that it does to an addict like me. But like, um, I really felt the power of my sobriety, like soon after I stopped drinking and doing drugs, like I, um, became far more productive and I was already being productive, like surprisingly productive while I was wasted. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, instead of just tapping into dark constant darkness it was more about being inspired and when you have a clear head i I, like for me i just feel like it really played a huge role in in making everything that i do but especially the music because i don't think um you know like you said i've been playing music all my life but it wasn't really until after i got sober that it felt like okay like um i have a clear intention of what i want to do sure and um and you know yeah i always say like i I would be nothing without my sobriety because like I wouldn't be an awesome wife an awesome mom or an artist. Like I probably wouldn't show up for this interview, you know, (laughs) or if I did, I'd be hungover, you know? And so, yeah. So it's like, I always say like sobriety is first before anything, but yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) for me at least. (laughs) Did that really help the, the, uh, bond, uh, with Raphael? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, my husband, uh, I actually met him years and years ago when I wasn't sober and I don't really remember it very clearly. He remembers it a lot better than I do. But uh, I always say that it's so great that we got to meet at my worst, you know, like, yeah. uh, and he still loved me and saw saw the goodness in me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he waited around, you know, and obviously we, we kind of had different life paths. Like, you know, I think he, you know, ended up, you know, going, he opened up a restaurant and then did the music stuff right. much later. And then we didn't really connect until, you know, maybe like five or six years ago when he was working on a record and wanted me to sing on it. And then black uh, leather, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it, which, which was, it was interesting. Cause like he, he was completely different than the last time that I saw him. And, um, and it's cool. I think, I think, I think like we had to grow up a little bit, a lot, like in order to like reconnect at a better time. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, I, I think like, the first time where I, I learned that he actually had feelings for me, like he came over and then we haven't been separated since. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you think for you, like I know for me and working, you've been sober a lot longer than I have, but you know, working the steps, the retrace yeah. of things, was it, you know, a lot of us, we just find it's trauma for me. It was trauma. Yeah, was it, for sure. Was it really a trauma based thing for you? And I like, yeah, I wanted to be like my heroes, like Motley Crue mm. and Metallica, yeah. and, you know, all the, you know, 
all yeah. those things. And I came from addiction. So. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, well, actually, sorry, to go back to what you actually asked about Raphael was that if it brings oh. us closer together. Um, yes. Like, I think that I don't, I don't think that I could be with somebody that wasn't on the same page, sure. um, you know, not to discriminate, but it's like, there's a certain language that comes with sobriety and like a certain way of life that like I didn't understand it until I became sober. I actually used to make fun of it all the time. Like, oh God, you have to go to AA or you have to, you know, when's the the step where you don't have to take a step anymore, you know, like, and because right. I didn't understand it, you know, and then obviously I, I got super out of control and, and uh, found my way. But uh, I think that that's something that bonds Raphael and I together. He's been like straight edge for much longer than I have. And, mm. um, and I don't think he dealt with like addiction in the same way that I did as far as like, like I literally lost myself to it. Whereas mm. for him, I think he dabbled a lot and then he was like, this, this isn't for me, you know, and yeah. he, it was easy for him or easier. It was simpler for him, you know? Right. But, um, but to go back to the, the other question you were saying about trauma. Yeah. I think trauma plays like a huge part in it. You know, I think when I look at my childhood, no one in my family drank or did drugs. Like huh. we were all, I come from a pretty religious uh, family and uh, very PG 13 on, on all levels, you know? And, um, but it wasn't until like, um, you know, I, well, let's see, it's kind of a, a long winded story and I don't want to make it long winded, but, uh, so when I discovered punk rock music, I was about, um, you know, 13 or so years yeah. old. And it just really spoke to me. Like I always felt like I didn't really belong within my family unit or within anything. Like even going to school, I was just like, just felt different. And mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I also was, uh, we moved to America, when we moved to America, we lived in the Inland Empire, which is about like two hours out of LA. So that, and at the time there was nothing there. It was like tumbleweeds and tweakers. And <laughs> that's it. Like there was no Starbucks or the 210 freeway. And um, so it's, it's, it's a lot nicer now. But um, so there wasn't, it wasn't like, there was a, a, a diversity of people there. It wasn't like there was, uh, you know, everybody was kind of just pretty straight laced and normal. Um, I mean, there were some rough areas, but for the most part it was just like regular people. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, where, where's my tribe? You know, because I loved punk rock music and I could see the, the records and like, the, you know, the, there wasn't anyone else that was like outwardly expressing themselves the way that I felt. And so I just always felt like out of place, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, I remember I ended up shaving my head and my parents just like lost their mind. How old were you then? I was 14. And well, there's nothing it, more punk rock than Or Mohawk. Yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, and I was tattooing all my friends by then. And so I think my parents were just like terrified and rightfully so, you know, sure. they've come from a different culture and they, um, like, like many people, like most people back then, they really associated tattooing with like a, a criminal lifestyle sure, or yeah. like, um, prostitution or whatever, you know? And so, uh, there wasn't any tattoo shows at the time to make Mm -hmm. it popular. And I just loved it because of the art, you know, and it was, it just spoke to me. So my parents ended up taking me like to a, they, they basically like wrote off all their rights as parents and, um, sent me off to this like correctional school. That's what they were sold on. Like, Oh, this is like a therapeutic, like boarding school where, you know, they're going to help your kids like, you know, just be stand-up, you know, citizens or whatever. And little do they know that it was just like the most torturous, like awful, abusive place that I can't even begin to understand that places like these are still even open and operating. Where was that one? And this was in Utah. 
same is that the same one Paris yeah. Hilton went to? Yeah, exactly. My sponsor went there. Yeah, too. so so they know all about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's How crazy. Old were you when you went fourteen. So I would th- they sent me there when I was fifteen and I spent my sixteenth birthday in oh, there. Oh wow. And so I was in there for six months and like I didn't see the light for of day for six months. Like it was really crazy. There's no windows. Uh I mean you, and there was just like the most um cruel and abusive forms of discipline, I guess you would call it, that just was uh, pr- pretty traumatizing, you yeah. know, and I really felt like a desperation to get out. And so I tried my best to play along. And then I finally, you know, got out. I don't know if it was because my parents ran out of money because these places are super expensive and we were not of wealth. Like we were pretty poor. So I think my parents ended up putting the house on loan and all that stuff to put me through these, this terrible program. And when I got out, I think I just had so much trauma that like, um, you know, for six months, I wasn't allowed to use the restroom without being supervised. There was wow. no doors on uh, on any restrooms. So like you just have like this sense of privacy just eliminated. Yeah. And I just remember like once I got out, I was like, I really needed to use the restroom. And I was just holding it until it hurt because I was like scared. Like what if I close the door and then they send me back, mm-hmm. you know? And that was around the time where I really started drinking. And like, I didn't realize that I was trying to self-soothe and try to cope. Um, I just felt like I wanted to escape this reality and I wasn't drinking for fun. You know, I think some alcoholics get into it cause they're, they're like going out partying with their friends. It's fun. And then it gets out of control for mm-hmm. me. It was just like, I need to escape. Mm-hmm. And so I was buying disgusting bottles of like, like, you know, alcohol that I'd Thunderbird or something. Yeah. 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boone's farm. Whatever it was. <laughs> um, no, I think I was, I was getting whiskey, but, um, but, and then I got caught like, uh, at, at the, the boarding school that I was sent to afterwards. And, uh, and so they kicked me out and my dad picked me up and, uh, took me home. And I think my parents just did the best that they could, you know, with what they knew. I mean, you got to understand that back then there wasn't any internet. I think AOL just barely was launched. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you could research, Oh, let's see a Yelp review on this, you know, because if you, if you check out the Yelp reviews now, it's just like horror story after horror story. And so it's like my parents were just like, they were told by somebody, this is a great place. Like, look at the brochure. There's all these smiling children. And it's like, <laughs> oh, little do they know it's like nothing like that. So yeah. so I don't hold like a lot of people when they when that the story broke about that place, um, people were just like, how could you forgive your parents? And it's like, well, I think as a parent myself now, like I know that I'm just constantly just trying my best. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's and, I, and I've accepted that. I'm going to fuck up, you know, and that's part of becoming a parent, you know, and uh, um, for me, it's more just like more important to look at like the things that um, didn't work for me as a child. Like, you know, I basically took notes from my parents of what not to do. (laughs) I want to break that chain. Like most people like in trauma, it's like they tend to like repeat it, which is weird. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you look at like domestic violence, like if if your mom was beaten up in front of you, you have a, a much higher chance of. Um, choosing a partner that will be abusive to you, mm-hmm. which I think is crazy because you yeah. you know you would think that it would be the opposite. So, but maybe we find some familiarity in that. I don't know. Um, I think I think so because the brain is just how it works and how we identify things. You know, you think like smell and sound, and you know those things trigger yeah. memories. Like if I smell chocolate chip cookies, I think a childhood. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, I hear you know, and yeah. justice for all. It's hanging out with my older yeah. brother. You know, totally. What I'm so yeah. I, I think it's, I think so. I think it's like, okay, this, this is what I know as normal. Yeah. But uh, to me, that's a little bit of like unconscious living too, though, you know, cause like I want to be conscious in the, de- the decisions I make. Like, do I, does, 
does this actually make me feel good or am I doing this because it's what I'm used to? You know, right. it's like I want to become a better person, especially right. now I think like having a kid. I know it sounds like cliche and stuff, but like that's like so much more important to me than anything that has ever been important to me. You know, it's like I want my kid to have like a fair chance at like, you know, a good life, you yeah. know, not trying to avoid him having, you know, any suffering because I think suffering builds character as well. But like, th I definitely think I, I went through unnecessary amount of suffering and, sure. and that, that I think can cause issues and baggage and all that stuff. And, yeah. and of course I went to therapy for years after I got out and um, it took a, a while to, you know, kind of get a grip on things again. And, and what's weird is that when Paris Hilton released that documentary, um, you know, she had reached out and said, Hey, I heard you were, you were also at that Provo school. Would you speak on this? And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, I've actually never talked about it. I never told my parents all the stuff that happened in there. And, uh, and all these people kind of came out of the woodwork that I was in there with. And it was, it's really sad. There's some, some girls that, um, are having a much harder time. Like, I don't think about those days anymore because I processed them and yeah. moved forward. Mm -hmm. And some of these girls are still stuck in, um, you know, in the trauma that, that they experienced and it might've been worse than what I had mm -hmm, experienced. Yeah. Mine was pretty bad, but, um, so it's, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. So anyways, I think that's where my drinking started. <laughs> <laughs> more with Kat Von D on the way. We talked more tattooing, falling in love with her husband, creating a family that moved to Indiana that they're talking about that they're going to do. And so much more stick around here at knocking doors down. We share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Hosts Mike and Nat brought together by their common struggle of addiction. They get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. They discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and with honesty, humility, and a lot of humor, talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com, a proud sponsor of the Knockin' Doors Down podcast. So before you became a mom and realized that, you know, parents, you just want the best and, you know, kids are going to fuck up or whatnot. Did you hold on to resentment to them for years after this? Yeah, I think I did. I did, you know, and it's it's interesting because, like I said, I haven't ever really talked to them mm -hmm. about it. And I thought that maybe after I had put out that video explaining, like, what happened, because these people literally kidnap you in the middle of the night and they uh, blindfold you and take you to the school. I mean, it's, like, really barbaric. Wow. Um, I thought that like my parents would have possibly heard about it and reached out. But, you know, I also think some generations are like less evolved in like being emotionally available to talk about stuff. Like I, I'm like, I don't mind talking about all of this shit. Like mm -hmm. it's not, 
you know, I don't mind talking about feelings, you know, I'm like comfortable in, in all my downfalls, you know? Yeah. Whereas I think certain generations, they're like, we don't talk about that stuff, you know, right. this is too hard mm-hmm. to deal with. So, but I think, uh, like my sister, for example, she used to always minimize my experience there. And that really caused a lot of problems. You know, she'd be like, Oh, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. Mm. And it's like, I saw girls raping each other, yeah. man. Like, yeah. you know, uh, like, I, I, what do you mean? It wasn't that bad. You weren't there, you yeah, know? Exactly. And, um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how everybody kind of processes it, you know? And, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily really, I don't really get along with my siblings, so I don't, uh, you know, it's not like they're in my life all the time, but, but I think, um, yeah, it's weird. I, w- I don't think I'll ever really bring it up to my parents so much because I don't want to, uh, I don't need to hurt them. I think yeah. it was a hard time for them already, you know, in, mm-hmm. in their mind, they were like, oh, we're losing our daughter. Like she's shaving her head and getting tattoos and, you know, uh, running away. And that's terrifying. I mean, I can't imagine what I would feel like if my son ran away, sure, you know? Yeah. And so, and I've, again, I've also forgiven myself for my part in those situations because you know, and I've, I've asked for forgiveness and made amends with my parents, um, you know, over the years and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think in the beginning there was some resentment. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I also don't think that holding on to something so negative is good for you. Sure, and it's no, like, of course. So you just got to do the work and process it. And yeah. most people don't want to open up those doors. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I'll, I will bulldoze through them <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't want to live like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't have done it, I would have continued to probably drink myself yeah and on a lighter note you tattooing at a young age i mean your tattoo you you did okay in tattoos in the future right (laughs) (laughs) it kind of got you on the map definitely benefited you in the future so everything worked out (laughs) totally yeah i had to prove my parents wrong a few times yeah (laughs) oh shoot that's uh-huh. always, sorry to cut you oh, off. That good. was always one of my thing too, is uh, I have a bucket list and it's not too gnarly, uh-huh. but one of those things on the bucket list is for example, like I want to be on field for a Niner game. I love the Niners. I'm a huge fan oh, and cool. I don't know how the hell to get yeah. on field passes <laughs> and I need a tattoo from Kat Von D. I swear. So I'm just like, when this I saw that true, you were leaving to Indiana, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> now I gotta, well, I gotta hurry up. Get on the, you know, 30 year long wait list. I'm just, I don't know if it's that long, but it's just like and go to indiana like damn it so you're sorry i got family there. My damn visit. Heart. Yeah. i love motorsports right. we'll go to a race oh cool we'll nice. each other in the future yeah i hope so uh, i hope so yeah. what was that how do you reflect back on on that success with the tattooing industry yeah i mean, I mean even the, the haters of it, it's like, oh, yeah. which I can't, just can't stand. It's like people, you know what? If you don't got nothing nice, nice to say, say yeah, Yeah, up. I totally. Well, you know, I think uh, like I got onto Miami Inc. in my very early 20s. You know, I'm 39 now. And um, and it was pre-sobriety. So mm-hmm. um, I was trying to handle like addiction while filming and while doing something so new that nobody had any idea what was to come of this. You know, I, I've never was one that wanted to be on TV. It wasn't like I was like, oh, it's my dream to be, you know, famous or to be on a TV show. It just happened and I, I tried my best as to be a good representation of art. And um, and then, you know, it ended up being quite successful. And mm-hmm. so then they gave me my own spinoff show, LA Inc. And I did that for, I mean, so many seasons and so many episodes later. And I got sober shortly after opening up my shop there. And um, it was, there was really great things that came out of it. And there was also very challenging things, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, um, there's not like no one preps you for, um, what to expect. You know, I think like I, I'm fortunate 
I'm fortunate enough that my parents were really great about teaching us um, what's really important in life, you know, Mm. and that's probably, you know, from going to church and having those certain values that like basically like money, fame, status, all those things are, if anything, they're, they tend to be pretty evil most of the time, you know, we don't put importance on that. Like, you know, it's all about who you are and like as a person and who you're surrounding yourself around. So I feel like the bigger I got, the smaller my circle got. And I just really hung out with people that were in my corner that didn't care about any of that stuff. So I didn't have a lot of yes men around me or anything like that. You know, it's like, um, I hung out with my family a lot and I think that that made it easier to kind of stay grounded. Um, and not lose sight of things. Cause I think I have met people who've like started believing their own hype and you're just like, Oh God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've worked in radio for 20 years, primarily. Yeah. Rock, yeah. So I know what you, you know. Mean. Yeah. It's like, buddy, you, you, you just use the bathroom just like, yeah, I do, exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, I don't know. So, you know, I think that, you know, there's a little, a lot of great things. I got like a book deal. I ended up getting a makeup line. I did some really wonderful things. I traveled the world. I, you know, had my shop for 14 years and met so many amazing people. And then, you know, then there's also like the, invasiveness of the public you know Mm -hmm. like there's a certain expectation um a lot of criticism and you'll never be able to please everybody which is something that um we all know anyway you know so i think those are probably some of the bigger challenges but um other than that i mean i don't know people i've i've been like i said i've been so used to being an outsider all my life that it's not really like, if you don't like me, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm kind of used to it, you know? For you. Because yeah. the thing is, is like, I don't think I am for everybody. I think that, you know, I think I'm unique in my own ways. And if you like me, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool, too. Like, I don't like everything either, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. That was a really hard thing for me to accept. Yeah. Because Mikey knows I just want everyone to love me. Because I yeah. just love everyone. Yeah. And everyone I meet, it's like, we're friends now. Yeah. And it's like, Buddy. <laughs> we'll have little pep talks and I'm just like, Jason, fuck them. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Gives a shit. No, yeah. I know. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. He's my Jiminy Cricket with the sailor mouth. Yeah. That's why we're that. yin and yang. With yeah. This kind yeah. Of thing. No, no, it's true. And, um, you know, and um, it's funny because my husband and I, we talk about it too. Like, we really feel like it's us against the world in a way. And it's like nice. Like, I feel so lucky that I found my partner and that we get to like navigate through these crazy times together and yeah. and like build our own little family now, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's not really anything you could say that like was going to make me cry or anything, you right. know? I mean, people say like, you know, they don't like the way I look or if I'm, you know, some days I'm too skinny and some days I'm too fat. It's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, who, who yeah, cares? yeah. Not the person yeah. that I love, yeah. loves me deeply. And exactly. Dearly. Yeah, I got one. I'm yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Peace out. Bitches. <laughs> now you're getting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I am. You know what? And it's 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 really the hardest thing. Yeah, is my biggest defect: people pleasing. Yeah, and totally. I've had to work on it. It's like. Yeah. You know, my girlfriend, she's sweet. She's the one who paints my nails. She's yeah. just cool as shit. And she's just like, she's that way. She's a little spitfire. Like, yeah. Fuck them. What, yeah. What does it matter? Do the, are they your kids? Are yeah. They us? Are yeah. They, they're not in your home. Who cares? Totally. You know? Yeah. Go suck a you know Yeah. What? So it's like, <laughs> it's hard for me. Yeah, sure. Did you have to work on that too? Um, Or was it? A little bit. Of- I think, I don't know. I Maybe just like the punk rock upbringing. I just never really like, 
I just don't believe in living for other people, you know? Sure. And so you're always kind of thug life. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, probably like t- not to my benefit too, you know? It's like, like uh, yeah, you know, like I didn't go to high school, you know, I didn't, I dropped out, I think my second week of my freshman year, which isn't something I would promote, but it's like, to me, I just was like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, yeah. I already know what I want to do. I'm already tattooing. Like, I'm just going to go into that trade, you know? Yeah. And I, um, whereas my dad, you know, he's, he comes from like uh, an educated background and it's like, um, you know, he worked really hard and went to medical school and all this stuff. But, um, but I would always tell him like, you're so miserable. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh cool. Like you get like some letters behind your name, but like, you're so fucking miserable. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want that. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and there's some people that, that they find joy in that. And that's so cool. I think that they're meant for that. But like, for me, I'm like, oh, I don't it, like, I mean, I, when I first moved to Hollywood, I lived in a crackhead apartment and uh, had like it wasn't even a one bedroom. I lived in the, this living room, and um, wow. no car. I had to walk to work, and I was just high on life, man. Like I would like skip over the the stars on Hollywood Boulevard on my way to work every day, and you know it was just so exciting. Like what tattoo will I do t- today? You know who knows? I might do one. I might not. Who knows? It's gonna be great, and yeah. I'm gonna give it all. And every day I'm getting better and better. And it was like I think that's that's like uh, the key. You know, it's like figuring out what you love and going for that and Sometimes it doesn't, um, if it's not a hit, that's okay. Like if, as mm. long as you love it, you know, but I wouldn't want to, um, do something that I hated for, for money. I think that would just be like soul sucking. It's miserable. <laughs> I lived yeah, in like yeah. crackhead apartments too. I'm curious, where was yours when you first moved here? On Yucca. Um, okay. it's probably still there. Um, but I, I mean, when I, when I say crackhead apartment, it's like literally everybody there was oh, yeah. a crackhead. No, yeah. same, yeah. same with mine. Yeah. I lived off Las Palmas and Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, right yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I was around the corner. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because um, in Pretty Woman, when Richard Gere at the very end saved um, Julia Roberts, uh-huh. the uh, Hollywood bus would be like, and this is where Richard Gere saved <laughs> And she was in the slums of Hollywood. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yo, this is where I live. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. That was my introduction to Hollywood. The first morning I woke up, I woke up to that tour and for a year, woke up to that bus every damn day. Uh-huh. I, I just remember one of my favorite memories was like, the gate. I hated this fucking gate because like, um, it wasn't the kind with the remote control. Like, so you would park your car in this little tiny alleyway and then when you would leave you'd have to get out of your car open the gate get back in your car drive forward get out of your car close the gate mm-hmm. and then get back in your car and go and it's just like i just want to fucking go yeah. <laughs> one day i was like not having it it was morning and i just had to be somewhere and i was like all right i'm getting out of this gate and then um and superman fucking <laughs> you know superman the guy that yeah does sure. the, the famous one he just like swoops in with his cape and he's like, don't worry, I got you. And he opens the gate for me. I'm like, thank you, Superman. <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest. I love this. Hollywood's awesome. Fucking Hollywood, right? Yeah, Jeez. only in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you look back on like the opportunities that, that came to you? Like the, you know, the makeup line and yeah. the book and everything yeah. else. And, and, you know, it's like, and having a lot of that stuff on TV yeah. as well, you know? Well, I mean, I love documenting things, so I think that's one thing that I really did take away from, like, filming the TV show because we were we were a docu-series in the beginning, and it was like, I loved that, um, you know, the idea of being able to look back at something, um, and not just in photos, you know? And so, even, you know, I still feel like I document things all the time and something I'll pass down to my son, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the books were the first thing that kind of came... 
And I really enjoy writing. I, I love reading. Um, I probably would cringe if I had to read my books now because I wrote them so long ago and I think I've grown up a lot since then. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I, I used to write like that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I'd do like a sentence or a, a fucking paragraph that could have been done in a sentence, you know? But, um, but yeah, so that, that was exciting because I got to go on book tours and like, I've always loved meet and greets. Like, I love hugging people. I love like feeling that energy. Like I've, I've never felt scared of that. I still don't, you know, and I, I love that. And so, um, I went on three book tours for each of the book and it was just great. Um, and then after that, I got the, like shortly after that, I got, um, asked to do the makeup line. Mm. And I think that was thrilling in the beginning because there wasn't anybody doing it. You know, mm. it's like, um, there wasn't any weirdos creating makeup lines. And yeah. so I was like, Oh cool. I could do something that's different. And that, that, you know, uh, it'll, people like me can respond to and uh and it was great and then it just blew up into this giant monster and like um i think sometimes things get so big that they do lose their magic you know and for me it was like i mean i was i had the makeup line for like 12 years and i would say like after like year nine or ten i was definitely over it like you know it was just corporate meetings and um you know i was no longer really being creative anymore i just felt like i was there was a formula and we created things based on this formula and a timeline and a schedule. And there was like, just no, I, I, just, I hated it. Yeah. You know? To get like a situation, you come into a boardroom meeting and hi, these are the PR and marketing people. So this is what your image is going to yeah, be. It's like, you and don't it, fucking it, get me at all. It, that's exactly how, how it felt. Like after a while, like even some ideas that I would have would be like too edgy or too, you know, they wanted things to be very safe. And, right. and I understand cause it was like, you know, you have partners and they're expecting certain things, but I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got into this because we were like fearless pioneers, you know? And then when that magic is kind of, or that luster kind of wears off, like, why am I doing this? You know? And at that point I was like, everybody has a makeup line. And I just saw like the predictions of numbers and I was like, it's better just to cash out now and just sell it, you know? And so, um, and then, and at the time I was already getting ready to go on tour. And so I was like, this is good because if if I if I were to have stayed, I wouldn't have had time to to you know be able to go on like month long tours you yeah. know across the world, and then obviously like all the lockdowns happened and we're like ah now we gotta <laughs> wait a year and and now we're finally starting to play again so it's exciting <laughs> yeah hopefully you get up our area I'd love yeah. to come see you live yeah and I blew it to see prayers true story I had uh, I think it was from the radio station's uh, Instagram or uh-huh. something this was years ago one that I was running and I direct messages direct messaged and Raphael replies like yeah I'll set you up with tickets in yeah. Fresno and I'm pretty sure I was too hung over to go the next day and it's like now oh, I think man. about it, I'm like oh, I'm such a fucking idiot. but <laughs> no. hey an example of how yeah in our addiction those things that we don't show up and totally be a part of and I, I man I love watching prayers like um my husband when you meet him in real life he's just like the sweetest gentlest soul but then you see him on stage and he's like a fucking animal and i'm just like holy shit (laughs) you're just so cool and i mean i'll sit there when we do like you know we do our week of rehearsals before we play and i I go to his rehearsals and just watch him i'm like oh you're so like i wish like like i wish i was you in some ways you know like like uh, like and that's important i think it's important to be with somebody that you admire and like look up to and so um, and, and our music is completely different, yeah. you know? I mean, we have some similarities, but but his stuff is obviously much more aggressive and crazy, and I, I do sad love songs. But um, <laughs> so, but it's cool. It's like, um, it's amazing to be able to go on tour with him because that was our whole plan was like, hey, let's tour together so that we don't have to be away from our kid, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
and it's fun. I, I love doing that. I love the fact that little Leofar is going to see the world, you know, from the very beginning. I think that's so important. Yeah. yeah. That like worked out perfectly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like we can never break up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I apologize. Raphael changed it to Leofar now, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so sorry so, about that. So no. So Raphael's stage name is Leofar, which is, okay. which is Raphael backwards. Yeah. 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 And so when I got pregnant um, and we found out it was a boy and I, I said, man, I'm going to pray that that he looks just like you. Like I want a reflection of you. And so I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Like we should name him Leofar because then he's a reflection of, of Raphael. And so, um, so he still uses Leofar as his stage name, but, uh, but I always call him Ra- Raphael. Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. How do you reflect back now with, with motherhood? You said some really interesting things earlier on about, you know, your folks and not really talking about the Utah situation because mm-hmm. did, did you, do you oh, find oh, now? Oh, oh, the Provo stuff? Yeah, the yeah, Provo uh, yeah. stuff. Do you find now like being a mom that it's just like, I know for me now as a parent, it's like, fuck, my mom was amazing. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even realize until, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I think my parents did their best, which is really all you can do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I also see some parts where they might've failed a bit and, sure. and, you know, just like I'm sure I will at some things too, but I think the trick is to always like do better job the next round. Right. So like maybe Leofar will do a better job than we did, you know, and we learn from that, you know? So I don't know. I think some things I, I, I do trip out like, um, like my mom one time, my mom's like an excellent cook and she has like these books of recipes. And I remember one time flipping through and seeing this like really beautifully drawn vase, uh, of flowers and the perspective was really great. And we have like artists on both sides of our family. Like my grandmother's a painter. And then, and then my grandfather on my mom's side is also a painter. And, but I had never actually seen my mom draw. And I, and so I assumed I'm like, Oh mom, did grandma draw this? And she's like, no, I did. And I was like, what? Like, wait, you're, you're like an amazing artist, you know, like this is fucking great. Yeah. And, um, and I wonder how much of that she missed out on, you know, uh, having like the role of being like the housewife, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, cause my dad was working and then she would stay at home All with right. the three of us. And, um, but you know, I'll tell you what, she's like living her best life now. Like, you know, I think my, my parents split up and now she's like, I'm going to fucking live, you know? <laughs> and she's like doing it up. And, and it's crazy. Cause I see her art, like really like come through, like even in her own house, she makes her own stencils for like custom wallpaper. I'm like this, you're so amazing, you know? And I think that's, that's really great. But again, that was like one of my biggest lessons learned is like, I don't want to ever live in regret. You know, I want to be able to live life. And, um, and even when we decided to have a child, I was like, I don't want it to become my, you know, I don't want to get pigeonholed into being a mom. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like, I'm, I'm going to still be myself, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think you can, have the best of both worlds. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think you have to choose. Um, although I will say that I used to be a crazy workaholic and that was probably my biggest addiction more than anything else. Um, and having a kid, it's like, oh yeah, that definitely goes into like second like priority. I'm like, oh, if I, before I used to be like, oh, I want to, you know, work on this till 3 a.m. And now I'm just like, we work from nine to five and after five is, is family time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I look forward to five o'clock. It's like, it's really cool. I, I love that. And I don't know. I guess I just grew up. <laughs> it, it brings like a, a whole new different level of discipline because yeah. you don't want to miss out. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but then I look at like, you know, I like I don't know Nick Cave personally, but like I've heard maybe he wrote it in a book somewhere that he, he really works 
on a schedule too, yeah. you know, where he's like, you know, before for me, I used to get like ideas for songs at three in the morning and I would come down and play them on the piano and record them on my phone. And it's like, now I just like, no, when I songwrite, I schedule it. And it's mm-hmm. just, um, I thrive on structure and I get up early, you know, and it's yeah. like, I think I'm cool with that. I don't need to be like a dysfunctional artist. You know? <laughs> and if it works for you, then yeah, yeah, yeah. more power to you. Yeah, totally. Are you still working the program? Do you still attend meetings, groups, all that? A sponsor? Or is it kind of just you know, I don't, I don't go to meetings um, because I unfortunately, um, and, you know, again, it's not to talk shit about the program because sure. I think, think different things work for different people. Uh, I tend to be a bit of a lone wolf when it comes to my therapy, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, I do better on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I love the big book. I've read it a million times. I love the steps. I love all that. But I just have found, especially in L.A., like a lot of the places that I was going to, and I'm sure it's because I went to a lot of the wrong, like meetings that were wrong for me, mm-hmm. is that it was just a scene, you yeah. know. And I am like... I love the the anonymous part of it, you know, and I think a lot of that was lacking in some of the meetings I went to. So, you know, when I talk to my friends that are um, our sponsors and and uh, attend meetings all the time, they they always talk about finding these really more smaller meetings. Um, like especially like for my guy friends, they'll find all male groups and like um, in certain age brackets. And I think that 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 would have been a a smarter idea for me to like find yeah. maybe just um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you'd go to these meetings in LA and it would be like, Oh, these people are just like practicing their bit up there, you know? And it's like, I just would see a lot of ego and it wasn't something that I aspired to be. And so like, I just, uh, it just never really drived for for me, but you know, I have a lot of friends that like, uh, the, I mean, even some family members, that's like, that's how they get through their day. And I, I love that, you know? And, and, you know, then there's another part of me that it's like those kind of meetings work for a lot of people because when you see actors or musicians that you admire and you see them that they're doing it, that's really inspiring, you know, and for some people. And so I think that there's something for everybody. It's just, uh, I, I was never lucky enough to find the right meeting for myself. At one point I was like, man, I should just start having my own meetings here, you know, but I kind of always do naturally when I, because I hang out with a lot of sober people. Mm-hmm. So like we have these conversations and, um, and yeah, so, but you know, I, I, I just celebrated 14 years. I'll be 15 in July. So That's I feel awesome. like I'm kind of, uh, pretty set in my ways about it, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I know what you mean. And yeah. it's weird for me. I mean, so many people fell off during the pandemic. Oh yeah. Unfortunately. I, I lost friends to so, so many relapses and yeah. uh, a few overdoses. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, the zoom things and then connecting all dudes group. And yeah. It was great, but, this, but. I, but I gotta say, man, it's the zoom things don't cut it. Not as good as in person. No, it doesn't. Like in person is like, that's the part of like that. I think that was, when I did go to meetings that felt great was that like, it felt like the community that was physically there for you and you felt more accountable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, especially if you have duties and it's like, like, whereas I think when you're doing via zoom, most people are, are kind of checked out. They're not as in focus. It's harder to do that, you sure. know? So that's why you get the bad internet connection. Yeah, and somebody's totally. Somebody's doing a great share. And, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. Carl, can you repeat it? We missed everything. Carl, like, damn it. Son of a bitch. Carl, you were, you know. He's frozen. He's <laughs> right. like, yeah. I mean, you know, and I know it wasn't a popular, um, you know, what is it, opinion. But like for me, I, because I saw so many friends relapse during that time, more than more friends than that actually suffered from COVID, I was like, man, I just think sobriety is such a crucial part of our life that like 
um, I think that that's to me it's considered essential. Like mm. I don't think it's something that should have been locked down or shut down. You know, I think that you could have taken precautions and probably saved a lot of lives. And um, I did lose like two friends to suicide as well. And I think yeah. that that had to do with uh, one of them did have to do with relapsing. And so I think um, you know. Like like I said, I used to make fun of it back when I before I was sober, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm just like, oh, I could never do that, you know, because you don't know the wounded soldiers that are walking amongst you, you know, yeah. and you don't know that like so something that is easy for you could be a lot more difficult for somebody else, you know. Yeah, yeah, we all carry that hurt differently. Yeah, we? yeah. And I mean, we've we've done a lot of like talking with people far more educated than Mikey and myself, but you know, you're using street drugs. It's fucking scary with the fentanyl out there. And we're seeing a totally different crisis. And again, not to downplay COVID, but the numbers with fentanyl. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm glad I stopped doing Coke when I did because fentanyl wasn't a thought in my head. Yeah. A thought in my head was, you know, going through the sketchy neighborhoods to go get it, you know, or the cops putting yourself in situations. Exactly. Like going through that. Fentanyl was the last thing on my mind. Yeah. So throw that in the mix now. It's like, shit, I'm glad I stopped when I yeah. did. Yeah. 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 Just... I think we got lucky. I mean, at yeah. least my generation was, things weren't as, as intense as they are now. Like even, even with weed, to be honest, like some of the, like when I smoked weed, when I was in junior high, like it was just shitty weed and like, you know, just like <laughs> yeah. made you hungry and kind of zone out. Now, like the shit people are smoking is so intense. And I'm like, Oh, you cannot operate a vehicle on that. Like, I don't care. Like, this will make you act like a gorilla and climb yeah. buildings. <laughs> this one can make it's like, when like you can play out? soccer after this. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You want to bench press five hundred pounds? Here you go, skinny man. Yeah, Put your ass down there. I it's think just, I'm the rock. Yeah, it's just everything's intense. Like even like I mean, I remember doing ecstasy versus like what Molly is now. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mm. touch any of that stuff. You know, it's just so yeah. dangerous. I, I never cared for smoking weed, but I can't imagine smoking weed now with all the stuff they have out. I. Yeah. I'd freak out. I think so, too. Even more than I used to when I did. I never cared for weed. I yeah, was like pills too. and powders and alcohol. That's yeah, I yeah. Did, I liked you know? uppers, so. Me, too. Me, too. When I smoked weed, I would just be like, get home that night and just be like, Eat chips. what? Yeah. What happened? What did I do? To- I don't remember anything. <laughs> I was odd because like, I was one of those people that definitely the allergy with booze, but for me, it like it was an upper. It was like... You yeah, know, as it you're one of those weird ones. Yeah, yeah. my pro- dad was the same way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As it progressed, worse and worse, and then it was like you know reactivation of trauma. But it was always that nobody's gonna like. Nobody likes Jason when he's not drunk. Yeah, and, and I'm naturally kind of a little more introverted, believe it or not, unless I'm on the yeah, stage. Same. And that's the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. okay, I'm here to entertain. Then I will switch personality. Yeah. But otherwise just want to sit here and shut yeah. the fuck up. And- I remember one time I tried getting sober and this was like, I've never really talked about this before, but like I was actually married before when I, I got married in my twenties, like an idiot. I was wasted. It was to a terrible, awful person that I, I had only known for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why I did that because I've always held marriage as something so sacred. And I think I, I think I just, maybe that's an example of the downward spiral of drinking for me at least, you know? And I remember kind of coming out of this haze going, oh shit, I'm married. I got to make this work because that's what you do. And I, I really tried to give it a go, you know, even though this person and I, like, I think he was an extremely toxic person that like was not, um, I don't even think he liked me, you know, as a human. <laughs> so I'm just like, why, why am I stuck here? But I remember at one point um, saying like, I need to stop drinking. Like I'm going to kill myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. And I remember he said what you just said, which was like, he said, oh, but you're no fun when you're not drinking. Oh, wow. And I remember that night he was like pouring like, cause I used to drink tequila. That was like my, my, uh, what is it? Poison of choice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
he just poured it down my throat and I just remember going like oh well fuck it maybe I'll try again tomorrow and um I think that night I ended up trying to throw myself in front of a car and uh and you know thankfully I had a friend that stopped me but um but it's like you know that's a perfect example of somebody not having your support or not supporting you and like when I got sober I just I literally had to go through my phone and delete a majority of my friends because they weren't really my friends like this guy didn't care about me he didn't give a fuck about me like he gave a fuck about himself you know and um and those people like they're gonna treat you like a party favor like that's not friendship so then to me it was like i cleared out so many people in my life and it only just really made room for more like meaning meaningful friendships and relationships after that you know were real bonds scary at first um like tr- not just tr- not only trusting them, but I had trouble trusting myself. Oh really? Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I was like, I think because I had like um, probably like mommy issues that like I I just would always like fall like deeply really quickly, you know. Mm. Instead of taking my time, you know, I I think uh, it was easy for me to chase people, especially if they were emotionally unavailable. Like, you know. Um, like I kind of used to equate like struggle, like if it doesn't hurt, it's not love. Like it's not, it's not worth it. Like you got to fight for it. And then, then it's real, yeah. like, you know, like love isn't easy. And it's like, uh, I couldn't be further from the truth, <laughs> right. you know, by the time, like I ended up going celibate for like three years, um, after just, you know, seeing one bad relationship after another. Right. And, um, and I was like, I'm tired of seeing this movies. I got to fix, like, I'm, I'm like the, repeating factor in this you know because uh-huh. i keep choosing these people that don't love me or whatever and so i remember i'm gonna take a break and then you know it was a couple of years after that when i when i met rafa or reconnected with him and um and really took it I, I don't know it wasn't really slow but it was like i literally made like a pros and cons list like w- what are the red flags and there wasn't any and i was like oh cool like normally i'm like I want your red flags. That's all I mean. It's like, like, oh, red flags hang out of your ears. Like, I love you. Like, let's get married. Like, you know, I can change those, yeah. by the way. Isn't that the thing we do? Yeah. Because I'm kind of a hopeless romantic. Yeah. 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 Ah, red flags. Yeah. Well, when I'm in your life, don't worry. I can change those because yeah. I'm just that yeah. powerful. What an egotistical <laughs> dick I was, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, when I, let's get, talk a little tattooing. Yeah, huh? sure. Yeah. Um, Mikey, you brought up because I. You know, I love your work, but yeah. you recently done yeah, a yeah, I've like blacked out could, a lot yeah. of my tattoos, and it's it's interesting because like when the tattoo shows first, well, right before the tattoo show started, I remember you know I was pretty heavily tattooed mm-hmm. already, yeah, and I would go out and I would have my Julia Roberts moments at the mall, you know, like where people would like, you know, even I'm like I'll buy this place to burn it down, <laughs> like, you know? but um. And then things changed, the perception changed. But like before it was like, whoa, you have tattoos on your face. It's yeah. crazy, you know? And then, um, and so then I just had a lot of like, just um, especially this arm was just like a mishmash of like drunken tattoos, mm. like tattoos over tattoos. And I tried lasering it and then tried covering it and that didn't work. So I lasered it and it was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And so then I met um, this guy named Hoodie. He's a tattooer from Philly who specializes in all these blackout tattoos. And I just, I would look at his Instagram and I'm like, something is so satisfying about seeing this. Like it just looked so clean mm-hmm. and like simple and I wear black every day. So it's kind of like nice, like mm-hmm. to matches what I'm wearing. And so I, I, 
he flew out to the shop and tattooed me and we covered up um, pretty much from here to here, like uh, from my elbow down to my wrist. And um, you did your leg too, no? Yeah, I have yeah. My, my left leg. My left leg was like the worst like, cause that's what you would, I remember yeah. you would have people tattoo, like Steve-O, we, for example, would tattoo. We, we would get Steve-O. drunk right, and then right. I'd have like drunken tattoos all, all up and down my legs. And yeah. I'm like, I, you know, and I would just like, I had a lot of like tattoos that I just don't fall in line with how I feel anymore. Sure, you sure. know, it's yeah. like, um, so it felt good to just cover it. And mm-hmm. I, so I posted a video of me like showing people my tattoo and they lost their mind. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, <laughs> why would you do this to yourself? This is so ugly. Like, oh my God. Like, I mean, they would just say like, they didn't understand it. And I was like, whoa, this kind of feels cool again. Like, <laughs> like oh, I remember when it was like, like punk rock. And yeah. now it's like, okay, so this is a, like, I like it now. People are just kind of like, you know, weirded out by it. I mean, there's a lot of people getting them done now, but like, but I, I it's just a, for me, it's a personal preference thing. You yeah. know, it's not that I hate my tattoos and I'd hate myself. No, I just, I like the aesthetic. I think it looks nice. Um, you know, uh, there's some tattoos I don't really want to look at anymore mm-hmm. and that's fine, mm-hmm. you know? And so I am, I, I'm almost finished with my left leg and then, um, and we've done my right arm now and I just have to finish like the inside of it next time he comes in. So, right. um, but I have left a few tattoos. Like I that, noticed yeah. that you still like have I said, a, like a portrait, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, there are some tattoos that I love, but some of them I'm just like, oh, there's a certain association, you know, with a certain time in my life that I don't really want to look at anymore. Yeah. No, and that makes total sense. Yeah. And I mean, for when I got my first neck tattoo, I mean, shit, my dad didn't talk to me yeah. for like a week. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, and we're, we're close. I'm yeah. like, dad, mom, you guys got to understand that I'm not doing this to try and piss you yeah, off. Of like course. when I was a little kid, I would draw football and basketball players and I would draw tattoos yeah. on them. It's yeah. just something that I've always wanted. But when I got the face or the side of the face, I always call it the side of my yeah. face. Everyone's like, you got your face. I'm like, it's like the side it's of like my It's like your head. temple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're just like, what? It's still your face. What? I know. I know. <laughs> I, I've admitted that. Like, yes, all right. I got my face. And it was just kind of like, just a shot. But my parents were like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's already there. You're going to do whatever yeah. you want anyways. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm in my 30s. Don't live with you. So, but yeah. still thank you for that. But right on. Yeah. But yeah, no, the blackouts, I totally get it. Like, it's a part of your life that you may not, you've already accepted it, got, yeah. you know, and you're better, but you don't need to see it every day. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the other part of it, too. I think, not, like, as a tattooer, like, most tattooers have, like, the worst tattoos ever. Yeah, yeah. Because we got them when we were young, and we were most likely practicing on exactly. ourselves. Mm-hmm. like. Uh, practicing on our friends and vice versa. So like, it's not like I had this like world renowned, beautiful arm tattoo mm-hmm. that I covered up like a total asshole. Like <laughs> I just, I covered up garbage. That's right, what it was. Right. And like, mm-hmm. and people are like, why didn't you get it lasered? I'm like, have you tried getting lasered? Because I have, and that shit hurts times a million. Yeah, what it tattoo- what and heard. you have to go back, like depending on how dark it is, like yeah. 20 times. I like, heard it was gnarly. So not only is it like t- crazy expensive, crazy painful, the healing time is like, you know, sometimes up to a month, depending on how much you're getting lasered. And it's like, and that's cool if you really hate your tattoo and you don't want to look at it again. You right. know? For me, I'm like, I like the way the blackouts look, so I'll just do that. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah. cool. And I've um, talked to uh, I've talked to some people who are like, I want to get it lasered. Like, I just need to go. I'm like, dude, I've heard horror yeah. stories about it. Just tattoo something over it. Like, just yeah. But there's some stuff it. that you know is like so like in like you can't cover it up yeah, you know like yeah. and and i think like even if you want to go and lighten things up like like my husband he's he got like his whole left arm lightened up mm-hmm. and now he's gonna we're gonna do like a you know santa muerte tattoo on him or something oh, like that. Cool. but um but yeah and and 
I do respect laser because I think it, it works really great. Sure. But if that's what you want, I mean, yeah. I, my laser guy, like he can make a tattoo look like it was never there, and yeah, yeah. and your skin looks beautiful, and that's great. I just, for me, I'm like, I'm not trying to be not tattooed. I like tattoos. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. I love all my tattoos. I get some people that ask me, you know, do you regret any of them? Yeah. And I'm like, no. I mean, I have a Y'all girlfriend's just, name. Just, just the portrait of your mom. <laughs> right? Just kidding. I have it. that clip out and sending it to her. Yeah, right? I have your mom ex's... right on my back, you know what? I have an ex's name on me, and that's, you know, you could see it if, yeah. like, I pointed it out. Sure. But if not, you wouldn't. But it's like, I don't regret any of them yeah. because it's just Little tattoos. Land- landmarks in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. So, yeah. but even the blackouts, like, you wear them well. Thank they you. look dope. Thank yeah. you. So it's like. Yeah, if you like yeah, it, it's kind yeah. of dug it. I know it like, goes back uh, to fuck it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, like Tim Comerford bases from uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah, that's he right. Had the yeah, cool dope ones. Yeah, like, forever, forever ago. Cool, yeah, but, but yeah, you're right. And I think that people that maybe don't have tattoos and don't understand yeah. it's much like music it's kind of like a time machine like yeah. mine's from G.I. Joe yeah I, I love this that one here and <laughs> yeah. I got my bat you know and I got my full arm plan but yeah. I can finally afford it now uh-huh. that yeah. I got out of radio you know <laughs> two kids ex-wife yep. it's like yeah you can't exactly afford the good work no kids I got this <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah I think people just that maybe don't have them don't get that that this yeah. is something that it's kind of like this thing there's a reason we make it permanent and it could yeah. be fucking silly who cares totally it's like it's and that's why stuff. i had to like explain on instagram is like man like you know i've been tattooing since i was 14 years old like for a majority of my life tattooing has been my life and i have seen every kind of tattoo under the sun like the worst things that you could imagine to like, you know, the most beautiful things and, or things that I just would never personally get. And you know what? Never once have I felt inspired to tell the person what I think. Yeah. I'm just like, cause you don't know why they got what they got, you know? Like, I mean, I've, I've, I've tattooed, um, you know, scribble, scrabble of a child, the child's drawing on a parent that, you know, lost his child. Mm-hmm. Like that tattoo is so important to them and so beautiful to them. But if somebody doesn't know them, be like, what's that piece of crap? And it's like, well, that piece of crap is a little bit more than that, you yeah, know? Yeah. So to me, I've always just been like, Hey, whatever flows your boat. You know what I mean? Like, um, I just don't feel inspired to criticize, you know? And so I, I had said that in my Instagram post was like, Hey, like, just remember like, you know, your idea of, um, beauty can be somebody's idea of ugliness and vice versa. So like, just, you know, before you judge, like, you know, don't, don't, you know, think about it, you know, mm-hmm. but people are still going to be like, that shit's ugly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, whatever. Block yeah. Yeah. Fuck your mom. <laughs> uh, do you have like, cause you've tattooed some really cool people. Do you do, like Lemmy was, that yeah. was cool. That was my favorite. Cause yeah, I me too. Motorhead Everybody and, loves Lemmy yeah. too. Yeah. It's like Love one Lemmy. of my bands. Like, you know, I, voice, <laughs> yeah, um, of course. Do you have like some of those memories of people like you mentioned the person that lost a child yeah. or something that yeah. you know Yeah, I mean, I, it's crazy. I remember every single tattoo I've done. You know, I'll remember uh, a tattoo more so than a name because I'm I've stared at it for the sure, hours yeah. that I've tattooed it. Um, you know, I've seen tattoos I did when I was 16 that I that surfaced and I'm like, I remember exactly what I was doing that day. It's like um, I think it means just as much to me as it does to that person. Um, but yeah, I think some of the, the stories that I've heard throughout my life have been like the most inspiring, uh, things and have actually shaped me, you know, and they've actually helped me a lot. Cause, um, I, I tend to be quite, um, 
emotionally intimate with people, like especially when you're spending that much time. And I also do a lot of portraits. So yeah. usually people are getting portraits because it's somebody that means something to them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it's a celebration or a morning. And so, you know, I, I definitely kind of, I, I, I just don't shy away from talking about feelings and stuff. And um, so, yeah, you know, you end up reflecting a lot. And I think I... I have my clients to thank for, you know, the way that I am in a lot of ways, in, in, in good ways. And I think that's good. Yeah. 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 So we're saying, screw it. We're moving to Indiana. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> you and Raphael just decide, hey, this is where we want to raise Lafarge. Yeah. Kind of out a different totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, we just, we, well, first of all, we found this house that's like a really special house. And it, it was operating as, as a bed and breakfast for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And then it went on the market and I was like, you know, I've it's been on the, the Historical Homes <clears throat> of America registry and stuff. And uh, so I had my eye on it for a long time and it's in the middle of nowhere, kind of in a really small, tiny town. Um, and I said, hey, let's just fly out there and look at it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just to see. And we just fell in love with it. We love that town. Um, we love it because it's small. So we're hoping people don't flock there, you know, and change right. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I think I was just so impressed by the people there. You know, it was just a lot of patriots, a lot of uh, working class. Like when, and when I say working class, I'm talking about real working class people. And I feel like that's kind of like the heartbeat of this country and being living in the city, you kind of, I feel like people that live in the city, myself included at one point, like, flattered myself into thinking that like what I do is so important but when you think about like how we feed this country and like the farmers and the truckers and people that actually are doing backbreaking work like um and I'm sitting here doodling on people you know not to say that that's not an important job in itself but like you know uh, like I would hear these terms of like you know like flyover states and I'm like like they're oh you just fly over those states you don't even have to know what they look like or what they're it's like no those are the those are the states that are actually like you would be nothing without them mm-hmm, yeah. you know it's like um so I just really fell in love with that and I and I remember at nighttime I my husband and I took a walk around the little town I mean it's a town of like less than 10,000 people it's tiny there's no uber there's no postmates you know mm-hmm. um no billboards which is fucking refreshing um <laughs> and I hate being bombarded by ads all day um but um I remember just seeing it was around like six o'clock or so like um the sun had set and every house that we passed by had a little light on in the dining room and you could see people sitting at a table eating mm-hmm. together and that's how I was raised mm-hmm. like we you know we sat down we prayed we ate together and and we talked about our day like we unpacked our day as a family like that was nobody ate on the couch we didn't um you know like we weren't abandoned by our parents you know and I just was like I walk around my neighborhood here and it's the opposite mm-hmm. you know there's just that family like structure isn't really like people aren't as stoked on that as they are and i'm not that's just it's obviously a generalization there's sure. some people like that here but that was something that just really to me was like you know i want to raise leofar in nature and in this kind of at- atmosphere and we're like walking or spitting distance from the ohio river and i don't know i just we just fell in love with it and everybody that like I haven't taken a lot of my friends out there, but the few that have, 
have ended up buying property there and they're like you know so we're kind of creating this cool community yeah, <laughs> yeah my so, brother um, just bought in, in indianapolis so yeah I, uh, yeah see I and i, I don't know indiana at all like yeah. i i literally don't know it at all like i just know that little tiny town it's in south the south part of indiana um i've been to indianapolis like on tour but you know when you're on tour it's like you don't really get to see much other yeah. than the hotel or whatever but i have um, a really good friend in cincinnati and that's like you know 32 miles away or something so it's kind of and it's like two and a half hours from nashville so it's, it's kind of like central you know yeah. mm. and um and it comes on a bunch of acres of land and i'm all about growing our own food and um so i'm excited about you know really being self-sufficient i think that's going to be super important and it's something that people i hope will start to pay attention to um like creating a homestead i think like you know you're looking at what's going on in the world right now you know even with just with all this shortages like the food shortages are getting real the infl inflation's getting real and it's like being able to grow your own food and be not dependent on the government i think is a really important thing you know so mm -hmm. um you know we're lucky enough to be able to to have that you know to be able to like find this place and and purchase it and um you know there's we, I, I do want to put like a water well on the land and you know get some you know some type of energy our own energy if we if That's need cool. be and uh fuck the government you yeah. know <laughs> so i'm curious when you go is it la is completely are you like selling everything like property and stuff like are you done with la when you leave or is yeah it so originally we back? were gonna we, we said hey let's just buy this place and then we'll just go back and forth sure. you know yeah. and see what happens but i just think that like at the rate that things are going like we just feel more like at home there sure and i yeah. think it's like um you know, I've lived in Hollywood all my life. Yeah. Like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm good on traffic. I'm good on, like... You've I don't... done the L.A. thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like... I think the only thing that was really holding us back was this beautiful house because mm -hmm. I spent, like, six years restoring it. And, it is but, gorgeous. But the the th we kept thinking, like, we're not never going to be here, and mm -hmm. that's a shame. Like, yeah. this this house needs to be enjoyed by a family, you know? So hopefully we find somebody that, that will, won't destroy it, you know, and yeah. paint everything white and make it modern but we first um, walked in and i was like this is exactly what i imagined with cat <laughs> haunted D. mansion yeah like i was just like this is the house that i yeah I, dark red you know yeah. just like the beautiful chairs and tables but just <laughs> The, know, gothic the, candles, feel. the yeah. gothic feel yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the claymore is my favorite oh, yeah. i'm really into knives and swords i was like well that one is a special cool. one actually because that one when i first met lemmy he um he came into my shop and um and i had this old uh it was like a a fake dagger like a costumey kind of dagger sword hanging on the wall and it was super cheesy you know and he was just like ugh that is not a real sword and i was like <laughs> i know and he and i gave him a tattoo and he's like you know what i have a gift i want to give to you like come by the house afterwards and i was like cool so i, I stopped by and he opened the door and i think he was like wearing like sweats or something <laughs> that you would never imagine him wearing <laughs> and he's just holding up this giant sword and he's like here you go thank you for my tattoo and it was like the sweetest thing ever and and so it's, that came from Lemmy. yeah and it's, wow, it's a two-handed a two-handed german sword it's in a like. Oh, I a thought real, it was a Scottish claymore, but yeah. No, it's it's a re, it's a real. Uh, it's not like a replica. It's like really fucking heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I saw Can that I it was. It? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> it came from Lemmy, dude. I, I didn't yeah. want to pick it up without. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's real. Um, I actually pointed that out to Mike yeah. before we started. Talking. He was like, dude, check this. I'm like, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch anything in here. <laughs> this, yeah, it's it's not your house. <laughs> it's uh, fine. 
Yeah. Well, I know we're running short on, on time, but uh, we always like to uh, throw some uh, fun random questions cool. and then uh, jump into kind of leave you with the last words of inspiration sure. and stuff. Uh, Mikey, want to go first? So I, I think I might know this answer, but I'm going to ask anyways. Okay. If you can have dinner with anybody in the whole world, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. Anybody. God, I don't. I have no idea how to answer this one. See, um, okay. Well, I used to always say Beethoven because I'm a huge Beethoven That's fan. That's who I thought it was That's gonna be. But <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he. I would be too scared to make him my option because what if he didn't like me? That's what I go in when I talk to people like, you know, bigger names like you. I walk into, that's the story of my life. That's my job. It's like, I wonder if Cat Bunny's going to like me. I wonder oh, if no, Charlie Sheen's going to like me. Like, we're going to be I great know. friends. I love this. All right, cool. But you know, well, because Beethoven had a reputation for, um, you know, really making fun of people who would attempt to play his music. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I mean, I could play your music, but I would never play in front of you. Right, you know? right, right. So I don't know. I feel like, um, I, I guess... I don't know. We, we probably would get along. Who knows? <laughs> I think, yeah. I think yes. So him, that's your answer? Yeah. I always wonder Knew with it. like the classic composers, like, this is not even the way I composed it. I know. This is not, it's the couple, you know, or whatever. It's like, oh, exactly. the, whole, the whole world's yeah. out wrong. Um, if you could uh, um, tattoo any one person that you have yet to, because like you said, you create yeah. that intimacy who yeah. would it be? And it can't be Mikey or, or we know that's your dream tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it's true, true. But is there someone um, that, that maybe has tattoos? You're like, man, it'd be cool as shit to sit down and tattoo them and talk with them. Well, I know that there has always been like an urban legend that Dolly Parton has tattoos. Right. And, uh, and I just think she's so amazing. I feel like she'd be the funnest person to yeah. be around. I mean, I wouldn't even have to tattoo you, you know, just yeah. like, you know, just to hang out. I think she's, she just seems like such a you know, a light of fire. I love she it. She is a spitfire, yeah. man. She's yeah. just like, she's like, I'm Dolly and I know it. And <laughs> yeah. I'm do my thing. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Um, if you were stranded on a deserted island and mm -hmm. you can only take with you one movie and one album, what would it be? The Cure Disintegration would be the album. I think that's the fastest we ever had anyone answer. <laughs> <laughs> it takes some like, yeah. damn, dude. <laughs> but. And then the movie, I would say, um, I'm a big Hodorowsky fan, so I feel like it would be either El Topo or The Holy Mountain, one of those. But yeah, it would be one of those. Okay. Those are more <laughs> noir films, right? They're just like, um, they're like very avant-garde, uh, kind of mystic films from, you know, the 70s, 60s, yeah, yeah. 70s. But um, Hodorowsky's like, I just think his mind is so amazing. Just the, um, the cinematic, uh, his cinematic approach is like very do it yourself but still like it's like you know when you see something and you're like fuck why didn't i think of that like i wish i could have thought of that you know like i'm jealous in the best way possible yeah, but, yeah. yeah. and I, I love his poetry and his uh writings and stuff i think he's a, a beautiful philosopher so i don't know he kind of has that auteur nature to him yeah 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 um what was i gonna say oh i was thinking of someone I was like yeah that's what happened to me as a kid when i saw star wars for the first time <laughs> damn it george lucas what <laughs> um i was i don't know if we should ask that question because cat is a vegan the, that's why i didn't oh <laughs> we have this question that we do with everybody but mikey asks it better i so. ask it to everyone but i know you're a vegan so uh -huh. I'm, gonna ask you. Um, I'm a vegetarian <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, get it. yeah but uh it's would you rather fight one horse-sized chicken or ten chicken-sized horses? Oh, okay. Let's you see. wouldn't ever harm an animal. Yeah, so. you yeah, just got an award for that. But I, but I also think that, like, you know, 
like okay so when i was little i was obsessed with spiders and i used to check out this book from the library called arachnids and their kin and i memorized like i was such a nerd like it was crazy but like i could draw the anatomy of a spider by memory (laughs) i was a goth nerd (laughs) um but uh so anyways uh uh, one of the fun fun facts in the book is that like a tarantula has two like their most deadliest enemies is there's like a it's the spider uh wasp or whatever it's like mm. a, a hawk's hawk wasp or something mm. it's a wasp that can come from above and like sting and then ants and i just thought wow ants how are ants so like dangerous to a tarantula it's because like strength in numbers right they could totally they attack and they army. and they can't fight that so i was like so i think if i had to choose between fighting like a bunch of tiny chickens or a giant one i would probably choose the giant one and have like a better chance (laughs) i didn't think about it with the ant thing because if they get you on the ground you're fucked yeah but a horse-sized chicken i mean one oh no yeah that is it's like a dinosaur you're right we talked to chuck liddell he wanted to fight all of them (laughs) he's like give me all the big ones and all the little andy roy too and he's like i want to fight them all (laughs) um oh uh, last uh, quick question: uh, If you could have one superpower, mm-hmm. what would it be? Hmm. Um. I don't know. When I was a kid, it used to be flying because I thought the idea would be so cool to fly. But I don't know if I'd care about that anymore. Um. And then, and then, and then you think about like time traveling or pausing time. That's like then they would ruin the magic of the present moment. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Wow, that was deep, but true. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I wouldn't choose any. I think I would just be as as is. I'm already a superhero. Hell yeah. That's probably the it. best answer we've gotten. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, we like to leave the guests with the last words, Kat. So, you know, any inspiration you can lend? Maybe it's, you know, people struggling mental health, addiction, the combination thereof. They yeah. tend to go hand yeah. in hand, right? Some pearls of um, wisdom. But just... You know, maybe even people, you know, especially maybe there's a, you know, a young lady out there, a young man, anybody that's a fan of you yeah. and kind of looks I, to you Well, I suck, at, I suck at advice for sure. Um, I do want to say thank you so much for having me and oh, thanks for coming you. to the house too. Thanks for having us. Like, um, it's always nice to have people over and yeah, yeah. welcome them in and stuff. And uh, I think I, all I can say is that if there's anybody out there that's struggling, obviously, if you feel like um, that you can't do it, I know it sounds weird, but like, and it's super cliche, but as an example, if I can do it, you can do it. And you're not alone in this. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. Thank you guys. (laughs) Kat Von D. uh, That was just such a fun conversation. Such an open, straightforward person. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed her and the welcoming us into her home. Their son, hers and, and Raphael's little boy just. And the kitty. And the cat. Check out the YouTube because their cat was just the sweetest cat. What kind of cat is that? It's one of those hairless cats. It's the hairless ones, right? And I've never come across a more loving cat. It didn't try to like claw you or bite you or whatever. Like it was super sweet and loving. The sad fact of this whole thing is if I ever want to get a tattoo from her, I got to go to Indiana. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like ordinarily you would just have to be put on a super long wait list. LA, it's a hop, skip and a jump away. But Indiana, fuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, shits. obviously we wish them the best and we thank you for their time and welcoming us into their beautiful home. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, go check it out. We have some photos posted up with Kat as well as uh, her husband, Raphael, lead singer of Prayers or Lefar Sayers, as a lot of people know him by, who he was just cool as hell and as a, a fan of his band um couldn't have been more gracious he listened to me tell a story about what his music's meant to me and gave me a copy of the album and they were just the nicest most welcoming people and and really to me very inspirational is kind of and he probably for you too maybe those kids that didn't always feel like they fit in and you know it's uh it's funny because i'm sitting there with you guys and i'm like fuck i am way under tattooed yeah, you totally <laughs> did not fit in whatsoever maybe with the nail polish but the tattooed no but you know it didn't matter because she was just super welcoming and nice and all that overall it was just a great conversation yeah and the cool thing too is uh she really appreciated we took her a copy of carlos Vieira's book knocking doors down she's an avid reader so she said she was gonna dive into that and of course if you guys want a copy of that same book that we gave cat it's easy to get uh you can click the link there in the podcast description uh read about how carlos struggled with a 13-year cocaine addiction has been sober over 14 going on 15 now and really turned his life around uh, not only got his uh, business on track but um got his personal stuff on track uh, you know he's a proud father of two amazing daughters his wife is an amazing woman plus the uh, great work that he does with his uh, foundation the carlos Vieira foundation and 100 percent of the sales of the book go back to the race to be drug free program it's got boxing gyms that kids can go to free after school as well as some other activities keeping them off the streets away from drugs and gangs and getting them involved in something positive so we know when you purchase that book if it's something for your own interest maybe someone that struggled with addiction or mental health issues that uh, all the funds 100 percent go right back to that foundation and that's uh that's really great yeah it's an easy read too i'm not much of a reader but it was a it, it's like a movie when you read it absolutely check it out and uh, we thank you guys for listening to the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Again, Spotify, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, or by going to kddpodcast.com, where you can also get the link for Mikey's preferred version. YouTube. Yeah, it's all there. Uh, anything else, Uncle Mikey? No, I'm going home. On that note, keep Knocking Doors Down. The guests on Knocking Doors Down are sharing their stories and helping start the conversation about mental health and therefore are working to end the stigma. This is the goal of our partner, the Carlos Vieira Foundation, through their Race to End the Stigma campaign. The Carlos Vieira Foundation created the Race to End the Stigma campaign to not only change the way people perceive those who are living with mental illness, but also how those who are affected perceive themselves. The Carlos Vieira Foundation strives to support the mental health community through education, fundraising, and facilitating resources. The main program through the Race to End the Stigma campaign is a college scholarship program that encourages high school seniors to share their stories about mental health in an effort to end the stigma. For more info on this and how to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org.